Our scripture today comes from the book of Acts. I will uh, be reading from the first chapter uh, in the book of Acts, beginning at uh, verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The first uh, church we were sent to be a pastor, it was associate pastor position. So we had a parsonage on Bope Road in between Clayton and Manchester Road. I don't know if you know where that is. Um, and in that, uh, at the end of Bope Road where it ended at Manchester and then down maybe a half a block was a Christian bookstore. And um, oftentimes like on a day like today, when we needed something for the kids to do because internet wasn't invented yet, uh, okay, was barely there. Um, so we, we needed something for the kids to do, and we, we, uh, we would go to that bookstore, and, and they were quite young, and they would enjoy being in the children's section of the bookstore. And, and, and they had a display one time for uh, a vacation Bible school that would be coming up, and um, that display, so you could buy the curriculum and all for it, and, and then that display had a puppet of Jesus that was about three foot tall. Now, Rachel, our daughter, was somewhere... She was over one year old, but probably under two at the time. And, and um, that particular time, Nancy and I were, you know, browsing the books as the kids played in the children's section. And then we noticed Rachel coming down the aisle with Jesus by the hair, dragging him through the store. Now, of course, I'm having this existential crisis of wondering, you know, about the soul of my daughter and, and, and by extension, my own soul as well, and, but also whether we'd get kicked out of the bookstore. But I looked over and the employees were laughing. They got such a kick out of that. It became that every time we went to the store, Rachel went looking for Jesus and dragged him by the hair everywhere through the store. And even after that vacation Bible school curriculum was long done and they, they weren't using it anymore, they kept the doll around just for Rachel to drag around. It, children don't always know how to treat like dolls and things like that. You know, I, we give them baby dolls to play with. I have a, a one-year-old granddaughter who was at the house on, um, uh, on uh, uh, Friday, and uh, there was a baby doll that, that somebody found in our, in our playroom and gave it to her to play with. And, you know, it, this one had molded plastic hair, so there was no fear of that. But, you know, they grab a hold of the hand, and then, yeah, yeah I got a baby. Thank goodness we don't put them in charge of babies, right? We don't give them the care of, of babies because they don't know how to hold them. They don't know how much to squeeze them or how much to, to hold them loosely. And babies move and they spit up and they, and they cry constantly. 
for no apparent reason. But when we grow older, we learn to care for the babies, right? We learn to care for the younger. And the same is true of our Christian faith. As we mature in our Christian faith, we learn more and more of the task that we have been given to care for others. And we also learn how to better treat those who are entrusted to our care. The least of these, Jesus called them in Matthew 25. Those who need the most help are entrusted to our care. Maturing in our faith means going deeper into our understanding of our love for God as we love others on God's behalf, as we love our neighbor. That's why we have this worship series called Neighborly uh, last Sunday and this Sunday. Last Sunday we talked about loving our neighbor locally, meaning uh, the responsibility to love those that we are around and know and get to meet. And, and now we're talking uh, uh, loving our neighbor globally. Um, but, but globally means, you know, some, means pretty much anybody we might not meet. Those who are farther away. And loving, loving God is, is what you do through Bible study and, and, and worship and prayer, but loving God is also loving your neighbor and attending to their hopes and their hurts, caring for what they care for and need. In that scripture, there's the word witness. You will be my witness, Jesus tells you. You will be my witness. Now, here's the scary part of that word. It, 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 as we translate that word to English, we use witness most of the time. But you can also translate that same word martyr. Okay? I, I promised you last week that not everybody is called to die for their faith. That's good news. But martyr suggests the sacrifice we're called to, to be a living sacrifice. When we do the, the communion liturgy, when we do the full liturgy on the nine o'clock service, we use that term um, that you will be, um, I'm sorry, we use the term living sacrifice, that we are called to be a living sacrifice, not a martyr who dies, but uh, one who lives out our faith as a witness, not a martyr, lives out our faith as a witness to others of what God has done in our life. So when, when Jesus says, you will be our, my witness, this could be an evangelical mission that we're called to about, about finding a way to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ, but it could be more than that as well. I always turn to this scripture, James 2, verses 14 to 17, where we read these words, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, meaning you don't do anything about it, can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith without action, it's really meaningless. It's dead. Being a witness for, for Jesus means that, that we will think, say, and do the same things that Jesus thought, said, and did. His compassionate care, his grace-filled forgiveness, his willingness to engage in conversation with people he didn't agree with. He fed the hungry and, and, and cared for the needs of others. 
And he told us that we would be, he would become known by the way we treat each other. When Jesus is taken up into the clouds and leaves the world in our care, that's kind of a scary thought. Imagine that. How well have we done? But that was his plan and has been his plan for 2,000 years. And the fact that he hasn't returned yet suggests one of two things. Number one, we're doing so well, it ain't broke, so don't fix it. Yeah, I don't buy that either. So the other possibility is he's waiting until we get it right and giving us ample opportunity. Again, that scripture says that we'll be the witnesses. And then he calls out certain places, Jerusalem and, and, and Judea and Samaria and, and to the ends of the earth. And Jerusalem, think of that as maybe, as maybe the place you would rather be. And Judea as your hometown, if that's not the same place. And, and, and Samaria, well, Samaria represents the people you don't like <laughs> and would rather not be around because that was the case for Jesus, the people that Jesus was talking to at that time, the Samaritans were not liked. And then even to the ends of the earth, globally. He doesn't say, well, you could do it here or do it there or over there. It's and. You'll be my witnesses everywhere to all people. As I uh, have gone through ministry, nearly 30 years uh, in ministry now, there have been two books that have significantly impacted the way I look at ministry. And, you know, post-COVID, things kind of changed for churches, but I still think these uh, two books are relevant, even though um, they came out years ago. And uh, the, the one is called The Outward Focused Church. The Outward Focused Church. Living Word is about the 15th largest Methodist church in the state of Missouri. So that's 15 out of 550. When I started in ministry, there was over 1,000 United Methodist churches in Missouri. Now, some of those disaffiliated, about 100, but many of them closed. And you have to ask why. And, and it seems counterintuitive but the truth is that many of those closed because when they found they were shrinking, they began focusing more on themselves. What do we do to fix us? But the counterintuitive part is, if you wish, to, if you wish your church to thrive, you have to look outward. You have to look out. It's, 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 it's like, you know, children um, uh, at Christmas, you know, they get that gift, and it's mine, mine. And we often think about that in, in churches that are shrinking. Churches uh, think, it's mine, mine. And we focus on committees and rules and regulations and property and what you can do and what you can't do. And, and, and when, when the focus is on property and traditions, the church dies. Now, churches need to be organized. Churches need well-kept property. But we need that so that we can do the mission that sends us out into the world. The point is to be Christ's witnesses around the world. This is just the gathering point for sending out. 
when we lose that focus, we, we no longer fu function as a church and, and the Holy Spirit leaves for another congregation. The second book was called Simple Church. And it talks a lot of, uh, about a lot of things. Uh, you know, one of them that, that if you've been in church for a while, you've experienced this, that, that well, I, I want to do this ministry. Well, well first we've got to run it by the trustees and make sure the building's okay. And then, and then by the finance committee and make sure that, that the money's okay. And then, and then we've got to go to the pastor parish committee to make sure that we have staffing approval. And then to the leadership board who approves all of those things. And by the time you get through all of those steps, you're just not interested anymore. Simple Church said, look... Let's simplify the process. Somebody wants to do something, you got one person can say yes and you're done. Go, run with it. Simplify the process. Well, among the things, though, that the book also suggested was that um, the missions that we do, I don't know if you know, every year we collect a special offering. I'm going to talk more about it in a minute, um, but it's Christmas Eve offering, and 100% of the Christmas Eve offering goes to ministries outside this church. Now, one thing, it's about $100,000, so one thing we could do is we could give 1,000 ministries $100. What kind of impact would that be? Or we could give 100 ministries $1,000. And for some, that would be good. But what if we narrowed it down to five or six? Think about the size of the impact that we make. Yes, we're limiting the number of ministries and missions that we're involved in. But in doing so, we've made a larger impact on those ministries. And that's what, what we've decided to do here at Living Word between Jesus' words of mission that spans from local to global. And the simple church and, and, and outward-focused church, um, it brings us to, to think, let's be clear about what Living Word is doing, what your church is doing. And so I've shared this uh, several times over the last few weeks, but I'm going to share it again. So we, we focus down on our mission. The mission of Living Word is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's our job, to transform the world by making disciples. Jesus told us that in Matthew 28. We're just, we're just refreshing the way we say it. Our vision then is how we accomplish the mission on the near term. And we've decided on a vision, vision that living word will transform the lives of children and youth of our community emotionally and spiritually through the power of Jesus Christ. And I've shared that we're not sure exactly what that looks like. We're beginning to gather some ideas. And are open to all sorts of ideas if you have any. But obviously you've got to fund a mission, right? A mission has to be funded. And, and so Living Word has two types of offerings. Okay? The one is your annual giving. And, and we've, we've gone through this the last several weeks, and we're at, we're at the close of that uh, um, request, and that is that, that you complete an estimate of giving. What are you going to give in 2024? As an estimate, we take it that way. What are you going to give in 2024 so that we know how to plan for 2024, so that we know what we need to do for facilities and staffing and all of that so that we can do these things outside our church? So that's the one, and we've already done that. Um, if you haven't completed an estimate of giving the cards in the seat back in front of you, imagine that. The other is the miracle offering that I mentioned. The miracle offering, the Christmas Eve offering, where 100% of what's given on Christmas Eve goes to specific missions. We do not then, the rest of the year, take special offerings. Uh, you've 
probably been in churches that take an offering every few weeks, a special offering for this or that or the other thing. Um, I was in a church uh, prior, prior to this that, that um, every um, communion, which we did once a month instead of every Sunday, at communion we would take a special offering, and that special offering would go to this ministry or that. We don't do that. If you, if, if you come up to me and you say, Dave, are we going to take a special offering for that hurricane that just hit? My answer is no, but I hope you'll give to it if you're passionate about that. And, and, and I can even provide you with the name and address of a ministry to send your check. Or you can go online. And if you go on to this one ministry, I know that 100% of your giving goes into the mission, goes into the, the flood relief or whatever it might be. It, it used to be that pastors got extra credit when, when you would make those special offerings. But since they don't count that anymore, why would I get in between your money and that ministry? If you have a special offering you want to make, please do. We're not going to collect one here. We do, the, we do the two things. We do the annual giving campaign and we do the miracle offering on Christmas Eve. We won't ask you time and again for extra special offerings. But that miracle offering then goes to specific missions. And this year we did ask uh, the recipients as they, they wrote grant requests for us and we did ask, will you try to see if you can apply this vision of, of transforming the lives of, of youth and children emotionally and spiritually? Can you, can you see if you can work that into what you're asking for? And for the most part, we, we were able to do that. Uh, so we have five miracle offering partners for this Christmas Eve. And then one special idea we're gonna try. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about those five, but I'm really excited about this, this special idea, and I'll share that last. So, Jesus says that we're supposed to go local, go regional, go global with our mission. So, let's start with global. We're going to continue our work in Ghana, the Ghana Project. Over the last 15 years, the Ghana Project, we have funded $2 million worth of wells and chapels and schools. We're going we're gonna to focus down on, I, I would say we're going to drill down on the wells, but that would be terrible to say that. So we're going to focus on the wells um, uh, this year. Uh, what we know in Ghana is that 60% of children in towns, in villages without a well in Ghana, Africa, 60% die before the age of six from, from diseases from poor water quality. Can you imagine what it's like as a parent there? We also know that when we provide those wells, we transform those communities. And so, and so that's one of the things that we'll be doing is, is the, the wells that we dig. We've done about 170 of those over the last 30 years, uh, 15 years. Some of them have come up dry, that happens. Um, but it's only like four or five that have come up dry out of 170 we've drilled. Regionally, we're going to continue our work at Merrimack School. Um, I don't know if you are familiar, we have an employee of the church that we never see because her work is done at Merrimack Elementary School um, down in St. Louis City. Uh, we chose one of the poorest of the schools. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you could, uh, you could support all of the schools with a little bit of help, but instead we've gone all in on one school. 
And so um, Shannon is our, our uh, reading specialist. She has a, a degree from a, uh, um, in, in reading from, I think she has a master's in reading um, from uh, uh, one of the Ivy League schools. And she's in that inner city school uh, helping students learn to read. And then we send volunteers that she uh, assists in, in helping those students learn to read. And so we're going to continue that work and, and, and seek to, um, uh, to bridge the gap that what, what we know is that um, there is a direct correlation, I've shared this many times, between third grade reading levels and adult incarceration. A third grader who cannot read has a high likelihood of going to prison. That's amazing, isn't it? And we can change that by the work that we do at Merrimack. Regionally, also, we're going to work with criminal justice ministries. This is a, a ministry that's based here in St. Louis. And here are some statistics you need to know. Children of incarcerated parents are very likely to be poor, dealing with divorce, but also the separation from parents, and, and exposed to violence in their home. Not from the one that's incarcerated, but otherwise. We also know that 1.2 million children have one or both parents incarcerated in the U.S. 1.2 million. Half of those in state prisons today had a parent who was also incarcerated. Half of those who are incarcerated today had a parent who was also incarcerated. So how do we intervene? Well, we found that... Um, Family contact during incarceration reduces the likelihood that the parent will return to prison after released. I don't have a statistic on the number. That was just what I was able to read. Um, it reduces the likelihood. But also in assisting um, in this ministry, uh, um, we know that, that children of incarcerated parents who grow up not knowing their parents become incarcerated later. Same stat, right? We're, we just have a, a statistic that's replicating itself. And so what we're going to do with criminal justice ministries is we're going to assist them in their transportation and, and um, uh, in supervision of bringing children to visit their parents in prison in hopes that we can begin to break a cycle, a family cycle. Also, regionally, we're going to work, continue our work with Sweet Babies. Um, that's uh, an organization that addresses the needs of new mothers who live in poverty. And we're going to assist them with, uh, um, with needs, items that they need to raise their, their infant child properly. We'll assist with uh, assuring their children are safe and, and, and properly fed and, and properly diapered. Have you priced diapers lately? Wow. And then uh, locally, Circle of Concern is a ministry we've been uh, working with for years. And um, uh, this is a, a well-run ministry that provides assistance, uh, daily living needs, food for families who live in the Parkway, Rockwood, and Valley Park School Districts. 
This also, they also provide um, training needs for adults um, uh, for jobs and, and family, uh, or, yeah, family living and other social service needs that they provide. And so we, we continue to partner with them. So that's five. Those are the five ministry partners we're going to have. The, the final one that, that I said I'm pretty excited about, we're going to have micro grants. And what this means is um, we're, we're betting, uh, we don't bet in church, right? But we're betting that, that, um, that someone here or maybe several of you have an idea for a ministry and you're going, I'm not sure how to kick this off and I'm not sure I have the funds for it. Well, out of the miracle offering, we're going to spend, we're going to provide $500 grants for new ideas or for ideas that are, that are ongoing, but can't seem to ramp it up, but could use a little cash to, to get them moving. And I don't know what that is. What we're figuring is that you're creative and passionate about something and we want to resource you in that way. And in so doing, maybe, maybe this year it's one of those $500 grants and maybe next year you're one of those five ministries up there because you've grown to the point that we're going to, to go all in with you. I'm excited about those micro grants. I hope you are as well. That way that Living Word can jump on board with your dream for how it is that you're called to attend to the hopes and hurts of the least and the last and the lost of the world. So we have those two collections annually. The, the annual offering that we ask, what are you going to do for the coming year? And the annual um, Christmas miracle offering. Those two. Now, there is a third collection that we do, a third type of collection. It's not financial. We may in a few months say, hey, um, Sweet Babies needs more diapers. Can we collect those? And then you get to find out how much those cost. Or, or we're going to do uh, kits that we do annually for, um, for homeless people. You know, you pull up to a stop sign and there's somebody begging on the side and instead of giving them cash because some people are uncomfortable with that, you give them a bag that's filled with necessities. We also provide personal care items from time to time for Haven House, one of the ministries that has in the past been one of our uh, miracle offering recipients, and uh, we collect items. So we'll do collections like that throughout the year, not asking for cash, but, but rather um, uh, asking you to participate in buying items. When you're at the grocery store, just put something extra in your cart and, and provide that. We're, we're also going to do the backpack attack as part of the Merrimack uh, School project. We've, we're rolling it into that rather than taking a separate offering for that. So um, uh, that, that'll be covered through that. So those are the item collections. Now, I don't know about you, but I, we gather with family for, for Thanksgiving and enjoyed time with them. And, and we'll get together with family uh, throughout the, the coming weeks and leading up to Christmas and, and just celebrate with that, them. I, I, I might get to see some of my siblings. I don't know. I, I, we'll see. I, I think we're going to get to see my sister. Whether my brothers will come into town will be interesting. We'll act like siblings if they do. I probably won't beat up my little brother, and my older brother probably won't beat me up. So it'll be different, but, but we'll poke fun at each other and and, uh, uh, and laugh and joke at each other at, at each other's expense because that's what families do sometimes. But gatherings like that are also an opportunity to be the witness on the home front. Jesus says, you'll be my witness. To be with the witness on the home front about what Jesus has done in your life and to care for those that you're given to care for. 
And I hope that you have a strong witness in what you think and say and do. And I hope your, your household will spend time in the next several weeks praying about the miracle offering and, and your opportunity to be a witness through that offering. I always figure you can, you can choose two ways to approach this, especially as we head into the holidays. It could be that, that you find your belly full and uh, you think about children in the world that are going to bed starving and guilt kicks in and, and you give something because you're ashamed. But you know, that's never worked for me. Instead, I, I prefer the idea of thinking that Jesus died for me, was resurrected for my sake, and has sent me on mission to be his witness in the way that I care for God's children throughout the world. And then out of thanksgiving for all that Christ has done for me, I respond in generosity to share locally, regionally, and globally. Amen and amen.